Okay, anyway, um, I just echo Peggy's remarks because Daniel and your group, that was fantastic. I just feel the spirit here this morning. And as Cole said last week, I think that ember is getting a little bit brighter every week. So um, anyway, that's, that's just fantastic. So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, whoops, whoops here. Um, my name is Al, and uh, I'm an elder here, and I just uh, welcome everyone here. Um, we are so glad to, he to have you here, and I hope what I have to say this morning just sort of resonates with you just a little bit, because I remember when uh, Chris put out the text, and we as elders had decided that we would go through Genesis. I'm not Genesis, um, Matthew. Matthew, yeah, Matthew, right, it's, it's also a memory thing. And I sent him a text and said, um, hey, Chris, I would love to do one of those. And he said, which one? And I said, well, you know, this genealogy thing, that looks pretty good. And then uh, later on, I got to thinking, wow, wow. I think the Lord told me to do this because I don't know if I would have picked that one otherwise. But it's really been a rewarding experience to study the genealogy of Jesus. Um, oh, thank you. You're so good. Genealogies in the world today, we all have a past. And a lot of people really want to know who's in their past, what's in their past, and, you know, they want to know those types of things. But sometimes the information you receive back isn't all that golden. Sometimes it's sort of littered with bad stuff. There was a family that had heard through their generations that they had a, long, a way back person that was in Sherman's army, which goes back in the middle 1800s. That's as much history lesson you get today from me. Anyway, um, they had heard that he had a high-ranking position in this army. So they decided they would get a, get, uh, do the genealogy check, and it came back. And yep, yep, he was in the army, but he was dishonorably char discharged from the army. And um, he went on to make his living by robbing trains. Well, I think you know that if you rob trains, that eventually you're going to get caught. So for all the effort and all the energy he put into robbing trains, believe it or not, he was convicted. He was sentenced to the gallows, so he marched up the gallows and he was hanged. So that was not the information they exactly wanted to hear, but it was there and they had to live with it. So I think, you know, that's a pretty messy uh, genealogy. But I think this morning as we go through Jesus' gene uh, genealogy, it's also a little bit messy. We'll get to that a little bit later. So, if you were reading Malachi, and you got to the last verse in Malachi, and then you flipped the page, and you got into the New Testament, you got into Matthew, and while you flipped that page, 400 years have elapsed. They're just gone. Um, these were 400 years of complete silence. God didn't speak, nor did any prophet speak over that 400 years. It was like... You know, you ever go to a baby reveal and, um, you know, everybody's talking in the room and somebody all of a sudden says, shh, and they, they break a balloon. You know, it's a big, big event. It's a big announcement. You know, we're going to have a boy or we're going to have a girl. This has pretty minor compared to this, however, but you get the point. So it was like God was saying, okay, there's going to be 400 years here and nobody's going to talk, but I'll tell you what, there's a big announcement coming down the pike. And he was right because... When Matthew starts out right away up front, he says, 
This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. And that was probably very, very important for all the Jews at that particular time, who had been waiting years, decades, and generations waiting for this message to come through. They were waiting for that true Messiah to come in. And finally, it's here. So, I just want to share with you a couple of the, because in the Old Testament, there were several, several prophecies that were, that were out there, and it sort of hit me that this is what this was all about. This was the fulfillment of the prophecies. So, if you could cue up Samuel 7, verse 12, because as all the prophecies said, that Jesus was going to come through the lineage of David. So these are a couple passages. Yeah, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest in him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So, there's three things I sort of want to touch on this morning. Number one is, what was Matthew thinking about when he put this genealogy together? Why did he front load it in the very first chapter? And what was his intent? Secondly, I think this genealogy has some special features or just, you know, we're going to sort of unravel it and say, take a look at it and say, okay, what's in here? And then lastly, after we get through all of that, how can we apply what we're going to learn this morning to our own lives? So let's get started. Purpose. And uh, I have to thank Chris for some of the notes that he gave me because it helped me a whole lot, Chris. So thank you very much for putting that together. And I love some of the words you use, especially the electrifying one. <laughs> so that was really good. So the purpose of the genealogy, the genealogy would be electrifying to the first century Jews. Why? Well, they had been promised this Messiah for a long, long time. And now I think we can prove, if we look at the genealogy, that, that um, Jesus was a legitimate descendant of David, that he was coming through. And uh, in a minute, we're going to read the first six verses of the genealogy, and which I, um, when I started putting this together, and I read the, all 17 verses, I was thinking, wow, okay, I'm going to have a little debate with myself here, because it's nice when you do that, because you always win, either, either or. But anyway, I said, okay, am I going to take and read all 17 verses, which has zillions of names in it, of which some I probably couldn't pronounce anyway, but nevertheless. So I, deba <laughs> I, de I, de I debated it. And I said, no, 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 I'm just going to use samples. I'm going to use, it just extract some people out of the genealogy, and we're going to put it, you know, put a story together. So, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I'm sort of happy about that. So, once we got to the fact that, yeah, he is legitimate. He's legit, Jesus is legitimate. He's coming through the lineage of David. So, and it was easy for Matthew to prove that because it was right there. It was right there in the genealogy. He just, you know, he just went and said, this is 
Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. So that was pretty, that was a witness to the fact that this is true. Now, I'm sure that the, the Jews, the Christian Jews back in that day were just elated on that news. They had to be because they've been waiting for eons of time, just, and all of a sudden it's here. And they needed this true Messiah. They needed to um, obey somebody. They need, needed to follow somebody. So this gave them a right. This gave them... This, this genealogy gave them a right to follow Jesus because he was a true Messiah. Now, as I said, it's really, really interesting because I, I don't know, for myself, and maybe you're like me or maybe you're not like me, probably better not to be like me, but nevertheless, when I read Matthew for, you know, and when I started reading Matthew, um, going through the Bible, a lot of times I would just sort of skim over these, these uh, areas, these, these first 17 verses, because what's a genealogy got to do? What am I going to learn from a genealogy? It's just a bunch of names. But that's not true. I mean, I think I could stand up here and preach for five Sundays on that genealogy. If you took every one of those people and, and put a name with every one of those people and did the story on every one of those people, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of stories in here. But we don't have the time to do that. So... I tried to extract out just a couple, two or three, four, what I thought are really features. And one of the features was that it's divided in, if you read the genealogy, you get to verse 17. Um, would you put the uh, 1 to 17 up here? Oh, okay, you got it, good. Can you get to verse 17? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. There were um, there were fourteen generations in all from Abraham to David. Fourteen generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. When I read that verse, I thought that was pretty neat. You know that it was just ranged, you know, just perfectly like fourteen, fourteen, fourteen. I don't know if there's a math problem here or not, but um, it just seems rather unique that, wow, it worked out that way. But nevertheless, um, there were three different sections here. So I just want to touch a little bit on each section and what was happening on those sections. Get there. Section one verses 1 to 6 actually shows the rise of David's kingship. This is when David was coming into power. It was rising. Section 2, verses actually 7 to 11, shows the destruction of David's kingship and the Babylon invasion and the exile. And from the exile, section 3, it shows the rise of David's line again and the fulfillment in the coming of Jesus, son of David. So it's just sort of, you can see the flow of the genealogy that we're getting to the point where Jesus is going to come. He's going to be there. The Messiah is finally here. Other, another uh, thing I thought was rather unique was um, the inclusion of four women in the genealogy. Four women that were not exactly morally pure. They were sort of impure. But yet they're in the gene genealogy of Jesus. And they were Tamar. You know what happened to Tamar. You know how he de she deceived 
dressing up as a prostitute in Majuda. Um, Rahab, how she just, you know, was helped the Israelites. She was also had some faith, but she was helping the Israelites, but she was also a prostitute. We had Ruth, Ruth who was a Moabite. She actually opened up the whole genealogy to the Gentiles. She was an enemy, Moabites were an enemy of Israel, so she was, um, she was, but she made it into Jesus' genealogy. And then we have Bathsheba, and we know who Bathsheba is. This was the person that David coveted and actually sent her husband to the front line so that he could be eliminated, so that he could, David could then have, you know, his rights to Bathsheba. But, all, but the interesting thing, I think, is that all four of these people are in the genealogy. They're all sinners. Of course, we're all sinners. But it just, there was, this the genealogy is loaded with deceivers, murderers, um, prostitutes, adulterers. And I'm thinking, wow, here we have this Jesus who's perfect, and his genealogy is loaded with just bad people, basically. It also, if you follow up through the genealogy, it, it proves that Joseph, who is not the biological father of Jesus, but he's the legal father of Jesus. So that sort of clarifies that whole situation. Now, there's, a, there's just a ton of information here, and uh, I hope that if you want to and if you're interested, that you would go home and you'd start studying this genealogy. I don't have enough time to go through every one of them, but I think that what I want to leave you with this morning is a couple of things. If you look at that genealogy, which is just loaded with imperfect people, but for some reason God uses imperfect people to sort of just execute his perfect plan. He just, um, that's the way it is. So if you ever thought that you didn't have a right to be in that genealogy or in that family of Jesus, you're wrong. Just look at all these people here. So the point is that Jesus was not defined by the people that were in his ancestors. They were not by his ancestors. He was defined by his will of his father and what he wanted him to do. So I'm just going to bring that down and wrong and say, okay, you do not have to be defined by your past. You know, it, it, you just don't have to be defined by your past. Jesus was not defined by his past. And you do not have to be fine, defined by your pa past. So what if you could live life without your family or your personal history? What if, it, what if it is dark? What if things happen in the past? Good news. I have some good news. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he will give you a new heart. He will give you a new life. Now, I will tell you, I have worked and volunteered up in 70 times 7 for a number of years now, and this is not an endorsement, this is not an advertisement, but I used 70 times 7 because I have seen so many people that had such dark pasts, and they actually, meeting with them and talking with them, I have seen such a transformation that they go from the darkness to the light by accepting Jesus as their Savior. It's just marvelous to work with those people, just to be in a room with them. And, and they're so enthusiastic about, you know, what, what's happening in their life and where they came from. You know, so they don't look back. They just don't look back. They look forward. So I want to leave you with this quote. 
It's not my quote. I don't know who did it, but nevertheless. Um, the heritage that we're all given, the heritage we receive, is not near as important, not near as important as the legacy you're going to leave. Especially if that legacy is hooked to Jesus. If Jesus is in your life, it's going to change. It will change. I guarantee you it will change. So today, in a little bit here, there's going to be some, a prayer team here, and I'm going to offer this challenge. If you are thinking about your past, if you have questions about your past, if you have darkness in your past, I want you to remember this quote right here. That heritage is not as important as your legacy, and especially if you have this legacy wound up with Jesus. So if you have any questions, I challenge you to come forward. I want you to come forward and talk to us. We love to talk to you. Um, I want, you know, it's just so fabulous to see people, and then we have the ability to talk to them and meet with them to just, I mean, you don't have to live in the past. You don't have to go and search your genealogy and say, oh, God, I don't want to, I don't want to see this stuff. It's over. I want to go forward. I want to open this new door, and I want to walk through it, and that door has Jesus' name on it. So in a little bit, when we close this service, they're going to be up here, and if you have any questions, any questions, I want you to come forward, please. I want you. He will change your life. He will change your heart. He will give you a new heart. And uh, that's, that's where it's going to be. So and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have, I think, um, Daniel's coming up to do the doxology. And I think then the prayer team will come up here. Right? Okay. So let's pray. Father, wow, we just thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you for the genealogy of Jesus. As we look at that, we just see that it is just numbers and numbers of people who have bad pasts and who have bad characters. They have sins of all different kinds. But we know that we can look to you. You can give us a new heart. You can work with us. We just ask you, Lord, that today if there's anybody in here, that the Spirit will move them, that they will come forward so that we can meet with them. We ask everything. Um, we, we're so thankful for Moran. We love you. And we just pray that that ember will just keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter. In Jesus' name, we ask this. And everybody says, amen.